be the Bulldog Bulletin, Fresno State QB transfer news, and more than a few shots at a wide receiver turned quarterback for a rising Power 5 team in Florida. Now here are your hosts, Bailey, I'm a Bulldog backer Adams, and Christian, I'm still keen on Mikey Keen Simmons. Oh wait, this is the Pegasus Podcast. Welcome into episode one of the Bulldog Bulletin, where we have some big news to jump right into. It's the big offensive coordinator news that everyone wants to talk about today, and that is that offensive coordinator Kirby Moore is leaving to finalize a deal with Missouri to be their new offensive coordinator. That leaves us wondering what that means for incoming transfer quarterback Mikey Keene. Um, you know, the big the big addition of the offseason. We're not sure what that means, if he'll stick around or if that could have a ripple effect, which I guess we'll have to keep keep uh, keep an eye on. Yeah, and if you're confused right now, we all promised you uh, after the season ended that once the new year flipped over, we would become the Bulldog Bulletin and support Mikey Keene wherever he goes. So here we are. Yeah, uh, Mikey Keene. I don't know if he's going to stick at Fresno State now that his OC has moved on. Um, but that could be good news because guess what? UCF has a new OC as well. This might be one of the dumber things we've ever done. And yet I'm glad we did it. Me too. I hope at least two people thought that that was really what they were listening to. And if if two people did, then it was worth it to me. I think so. I think so. So yes, we are back. It's episode 120 of the Pegasus podcast. We'll see. Um, yeah, be sure you're following us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at night sports. Now the other offensive coordinator news that we have to talk about is that UCF has a new one and it's Darren Henshaw UCF quarterback. Great. Darren Henshaw is the new offensive coordinator at UCF. He will be calling the plays and he had his introductory press conference on Wednesday and I have mixed feelings. Yeah. Bad I coordinator feel... news for Mikey Keene and John Rice Plumley today. So. Yeah. I feel better after his introductory press conference than I did before. But I tweet I tweeted it and my immediate thought was basically I went from skeptical and not really sure to cautiously optimistic. I yeah. when we when the news kind of trickled out on Tuesday night, you and I both kind of agreed that like this felt like a move where Gus had decided against giving up play calling and was kind of just going to be like, all right, I'm going to bring in an offensive coordinator to basically fill the Chip Lindsey role of being the quarterback's coach with the offensive coordinator title. Gus was going to keep calling plays because it just didn't feel like one where he's like, oh, this guy's coming in to call plays. But I was wrong. We were wrong. And that's where we're headed. Yeah. And I tweeted that at the time. I mean, and that's why I'm still in the cautiously optimistic boat versus being optimistic, because when Hinshaw kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think that was a name that really anyone knew. Well, at least no one that I know knew was in the running or anything like that. And obviously he had previous experience with Gus being an analyst last year. But no, that did not strike me as Gus fulfilling his promise to turn over the offense and hand over play calling to someone else. Hinshaw just struck me as another Chip Lindsay. And of course, Gus goes out there today and says, no, no, I'm giving up the reins. This is Hinshaw's offense. At one point, somebody even asked about the quarterback situation. He was like, well, I'll defer to... Uh, I'll defer to Hinshaw on that. So it, if that's happening, great. And I want to like be clear because there are some UCF fans who are like, I'm glad he's given up the play calling because the play calling sucks. And we talked about before that like you and I have kind of been on opposite ends of that. I don't really mind. I guess I should say I didn't really mind Gus's version of the offense. My issue was that in modern college football, in the era we are in now, it is simply not tenable as a head coach to run half the team and actually run an offense or a defense and call plays. It, it's just not tenable. I mean, you look at, You've got 
recruiting, which is, which, you know, is now a year round thing. And you have to do nonstop. There's also transfer recruiting, which is its own thing. That's just as important as recruiting as a whole other thing. You have to be the front face of the program. You have to set the locker room. You have to set the culture. You have to recruit your own roster because as we just saw with Matt Lee, which is great guys can just, I, I mean, it's being a head coach is 10 jobs on its own without actually calling the plays and running half the team. And I, you just can't do that anymore. And and it, it, this isn't just a Gus thing across the country over the last two years. Coaches have been giving this up. Sonny Dykes gave it up when he moved from SMU to TCU. TCU went to the national title. It broke it recently. Ryan Day is going to give up play calling at Ohio State this coming season. This is the way things are going. And that's why I was so stressed out when the news broke. It was Hinshaw because I'm like, if he's not giving it up, next year's going to be a disaster. You know, it just is. Yeah. And I we, we were kind of for the most part on the opposite ends of that spectrum where like I, I don't I don't know. I wasn't like some people were just like, oh, I, I just hate everything about his play calling. There were just certain elements of it where I was like, ah, this is it would bother me. It was just like these certain pet like pet peeves and like these certain tendencies he would have that would constantly bother me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the reason I'm cautiously optimistic is that like just a change would be is is, is interesting to me. It's going to be intriguing to see what really changes. Um he, I mean, Gus was he was referring to some um, fresh new ideas that Darren Henshaw was bringing in, and someone asked him what they were, and he was saying, "Well, he talks a lot about throwing the ball downfield, which really excites me." And like what you said to me, you were like, "I like how that's like presented as some massive like <laughs> innovation, like throwing the ball downfield." Yeah, we saw it as recently as three years ago. That was UCF's offense. So yeah, points yeah. for your side of the play calling argument were Gus seeing vertical passing as an innovative idea. That's that <laughs> that definitely falls on your side of the divide, but. And listen, my main drawback at this point is still, that's great that Gus is giving up play calling. We just don't know how good of a play caller and someone running the offense Hinshaw is going to be. He doesn't have a lot of experience doing it. It's been several years since he's done it. And he was fired from Kentucky as the, as the co-offense coordinator. From my understanding, he wasn't really calling the plays there. It was kind of a mix, but so that's my holdup. That's my holdup still. And my other holdup, which we have to see is it's very easy. And we've talked about this before that. It's very easy to be very optimistic and happy about everything in the offseason. We just did a whole offseason of it last time. It's great. And what happens the first time that Malzahn and Hinshaw don't see eye to eye? What happens the first time that Hinshaw's like, I think, and I'm just getting, this is not what I think is going to happen. I'm just offering this example. Hinshaw's like, I think Castellanos is the guy. We're going to start Castellanos at quarterback. And Gus goes, yeah, but John Rice Plumley, I would die for that man. So maybe it should be him. You know, like I... The first time that there is a disagreement, the first time there's an in-game, just I just I'm curious what happens then. I'm curious how black and white Gus being the CEO and giving this stuff is. And let me say, I'm fine with the head coach having final say on stuff. I mean, that's the way it should work. You know, it shouldn't be like the coach is just like, sorry, I don't, you know, I have no power over this. But at the same time, like I also don't agree with a lot of the things Gus did on offense. So I'm I'm curious to see how that works. Yeah, and I guess that's the risk you run with with this kind of thing. But we've, like you mentioned, we've seen it a lot of places where the head coach kind of becomes the CEO of the program and has all these other responsibilities. And yeah, I I think obviously the head coach is going to have the final say. But what what kind of struck me with Henshaw's press conference was he he flat out said I don't even think it was something he was really asked about. He was just saying something like, "I'm not a guy that has an ego, and I didn't come here to have an ego. Like I came here, this is for UCF. Like this is and obviously him being a UCF guy, I think." is kind of kind of feeds that is like he wants to this he call this his dream job like two or three times because he wants to you know take his alma mater and and turn its offense into something special in the big 12 as it's going to the big 12 so i don't know i i think as long as ego doesn't get involved it it should be fine it's one of those things that you just have to navigate i think and on the whole front of like what is the offense going to look like 
I mean, he he threw a lot of adjectives out there and a lot of ideas out there, and it's like some of them sound similar to what Gus likes to run anyway, which I assume like it didn't sound very eye. different to me. It really they did. had to see eye to eye on like philosophy kind of thing for him to get hired. I would imagine. I don't think like Gus was going to bring in like an an air raid guy and like yeah. just completely transform everything. But he mentioned like, oh, they're going to be fast, multi tempo. You know, they're going to be hard nosed physical running. They're going to throw the ball downfield. He says about they're going to have an efficient passing game, but they are going to take shots. My issue with what you just said, and I'm not trying to like already like, you know, say the hire is bad because I don't think the hire is bad. Like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic. But when you have a guy say that, it's like we're going to be multi-tempo, hard nosed running, you know, and we're going to take shots downfield. It's like you just describe basically any college offense. Like, really, you're going to yeah. run the ball and also throw it and, ha- and be multi-tempo. Wow. OK, like that, it's just that, that wasn't information to me. Like, I, I, I you know, I don't know if yeah. it'll look different at all. I, like I said, Gus brought up vertical passing like four times. So again, like it is a new concept. So I guess we will see more of that. And it's true because when you look at UCF this year, they really didn't take shots. And I I chalked that up to the fact that John Rice Plumlee is not capable of that. And honestly, you know, Hinshaw said, I think the probably the biggest thing that people caught people's attention was him saying that it's going to be a clean slate at quarterback. It's anyone's competition. We'll see if that ends up ringing true. But this is bad news for Plumlee's bid to remain the starter because you talk about oh vertical passing is a key part of this offense that's what he's worst at i mean really of all his skills so i you know we'll and we'll see what happens not to like harp on this every time we have a podcast but like he's not going to be he's presumably not going to be there in the spring to work on that part of his game so when they actually might be installing a different style of offense which that that's even the other thing that makes this very different yeah even if it's not completely new there's going to be new elements to it where yeah, yeah like i'm sure he can study the play he can study new aspects of the playbook and he can kind of focus on that but he's also he wants to be a baseball player he's going to focus on baseball too so it's it's a weird juggling act that he's going to have to do if he's serious about still doing both which it seems like he is the, the other thing that kind of before the press conference i was really kind of just like underwhelmed and was just like i don't i don't know about this yeah. And part of it was because like you look at some of his past stops and you look at the offenses like he quote unquote ran as the offensive coordinator. Really good rushing offenses. Like even like his previous stop at UAB, like I'm looking at this tweet that was from December where UAB set school records in total yards, yards per game, rushing yards, rushing yards per game, rushing touchdowns, all this kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, it all sounds good. But then someone it was literally a UAB account replied said 112th in red zone efficiency and 102nd in total passing. Yeah. And those two things really scared me because I'm like looking at 2022 UCF and I'm like, what were they bad at? Hmm. But you know what? Great in the red zone. He didn't call the plays at UAB. So it's like, I don't know how much stock I'm supposed to put or not put in that, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing. And that's why it's hard. I, I mean, it's funny. You said something really profound to me last night that I was laughing at because yeah you did because I sent you a thing that someone sent me that at Kentucky he one of his skills had been he had helped take a couple guys who weren't traditionally quarterbacks and sort of (laughs) mold them into being quarterbacks and I said I sent that to you and I said that's interesting because with both JRP and Tommy that could really help and you replied and said but why can't we just have a quarterback who's a quarterback and you said that and I'm like oh I'm like why is it that we have to do this thing where none of the quarterbacks are real quarterbacks so and I think it was Brandon Hellick who asked him the presser about if they're considering a transfer quarterback. I think they should be. I know that fans are already, I can't wait for it. The, the Twitter's already dividing into new quarterback camps. Timmy McLean is like a bunch of fans are in McLean's camp. I'm assuming that's entirely based off of Castellanos and the Tulane game, which is dumb. But I do think that unlike last, you look at last season, we had a full year. We could look at a full season of JRP starting at quarterback. We could look at a full season of Mikey starting at quarterback. We had tons of information on both like, 
going to this offseason with the with this group, it's like, okay, we have a JRP. Castellanos, we have virtually nothing. McLean, we have very little. And it's like, it's just going to be a weird offer. Like, we can't really offer a lot of insight to that because we just don't know what we have there. And UCF doesn't know what they have. So I think they have to go get a transfer. Will they? I don't know. I think it's attractive because I think a lot of transfers would look at that room as a room they can easily win the job in. I also look at it and I'm like, okay, I, I kind of already thought like, yeah, maybe going in a transfer would help. And then Hinshaw starts talking about throwing the ball downfield. And I'm like, hmm, maybe they need to go get someone. They who don't can. have anyone who can do that. I, I don't, I, I mean, not that we know, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of McLean doing that to know that he can do it reliably. Tommy, we just haven't seen either. I know Tommy has a good arm. In, to- in high school, know. Tommy had like a rocket of an arm. It was just, yeah. there were, there were some questions about how accurate he was. Like he could mm-hmm. take those shots and. I mean, it's ridiculous to say, but it's like, you know, you're probably looking at heading into fall camp. Who's the most accurate quarterback in the room? Dylan Rizek? <laughs> He's going to win the job. He's not even going to be there for spring, is he? No, like, that kind of screams is... maybe you need a transfer. So I, you know, like I said, I just, I don't, I'm not sold on any of those three. Um, and I just had assumed that they are not going to look for a transfer, but that sounded a little different in the presser today when he's kind of like, we'll defer to Darren Henshaw and what Henshaw was saying. So I'm hoping they go that route. I know the options aren't amazing, but like, I just really feel like you need to get a body in there. Yeah, I think so. Um, that was Daily's dog, time... by the way, if you heard a very audible bark. <laughs> yeah, that's just at every every week thing at this point. Um, but if, yeah, I mean, it, well, time will tell if they'll go and get a transfer. Time will tell if any of the guys in the room already can deal with that down downfield passing aspect of this offense. And we'll see really what the offense looks like. I'm already kind of like itching to see spring ball. I know we aren't going to see a ton. We never see a ton in spring ball, but I'm yeah. just like, all right, let's just see how this, we'll hear how some this things begins at least. to take we'll, shape. Yeah. We'll get a lay of the land a little bit, but yeah. And like I said, on the topic of transfer quarterback, before we leave that, I don't even, I, if I was UCF, I'd wait till after spring because like yeah. I said, the, the options out there are pretty slim right now, but you know, after spring, there will be guys who lose competitions who hop in the portal. So yeah, we'll see. Um, we're going to move on to our next. We didn't little... talk about a thing you said you wanted to talk about. So I just want to ensure that you're definitely done with offensive coordinator. What was it? You want to talk about him being a defensive analyst. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. So when I when his name surfaced on Tuesday, it was saying like, oh, he was an offensive analyst under Gus in 2021. And then in, in his press conference, he was talking about how he worked with all the defensive coaches. So I think he was a, I don't know if he's an offensive analyst who worked with the defensive coaches, but he talked about how much it helped to learn from basically what T will was, was looking at as a defensive coordinator and like working with guys like Gibbs and Addison Williams and Kenny Ingram and uh, Kenny Martin. And I think that's so valuable, like to, to him, for him to already have that experience with UCF last year and this, this set of coaches, like, I think that can only help him as a play caller and as an offensive coordinator. So I, I know something I didn't know where I heard that and I was kind of like, huh, okay, that's interesting. And, and I, I think it has, has a lot of value. Yeah, I agree completely. I, it's kind of funny the way that football, both at the NFL and college level, is just developed where you, offense and defense are treated as completely different things. And it's like, I think we talked about before, it's like, I think it would be very valuable for a lot of coaches to see both sides of that. I think that makes a really big difference. So I liked that. That was good. I, I you know, I, I hope this hire works out. It, it, a lot of this stuff is a crapshoot. And I, and I don't want to, because it's we talk about winning the press conference. They definitely won the press conference. He won fans over. But at the end of the day, it's still all talk. You know, yeah. and my big takeaway that I'm happy about is a clean slate at quarterback, maybe get a transfer. B Gus is giving up play calling and focusing on being the CEO. So those are both wins and we'll take the rest and see what we have, you know? Yeah. Cause it is, it is a crap shoot in some ways. And you look at it and you're like, well, we'll just kind of see, I think from a personal standpoint, you look at it and like, this is a former UCF quarterback coming back to be the offensive coordinator. Like, there's that, that aspect of it is really cool. 
like the story itself. Yeah, I, I just don't care about cool. that stuff. You know, like I know a lot. It's like I get that for a lot of fans. That was a big part of the appeal. And it's like, oh, you know, he was a you know record setting quarterback, uh, I guess, 30 years ago at this point. But I just there's no evidence that uh, like did, did did Nebraska enjoy having their former quarterback back? No, I don't think I don't think years. it means just... anything like in terms of on field. I just think it's, I'm sure it's cool personally for him. And I think it's cool to to have it like that's just a different element. I agree with that. But I, there are people spinning it on social media like it's oh, no. cool that, oh, it's good to have an alumni because he really gets UCF. It's like UCF was an independent one double A program when he was here. Like he doesn't know anything about <laughs> like, like modern UCF is completely different. It's not like that matters you know and i just i feel like way too many fans think that an alum coming home means something it really doesn't is he good at the job great is he bad at the job it's a problem that's it yeah and time will tell but what's funny about moving on to this next part is we're just kind of going to go back in time a little bit because so our last podcast was the post game podcast after the duke game which was the last last week of the year so we didn't really have any like news segments on that um podcast and a ton has happened in the last two weeks so basically this whole section is just catching up on random UCF things that have happened and we'll start with the linebackers because you look at like the, I was starting to compile this like normal news segment that I normally do toward the end of the podcast and I was looking at it and like it was just getting too long and I was like we need to talk about a lot of this stuff and I looked at like four or five of the bullets had to do with linebackers so let's start there um UCF I don't even know where to start UCF hired a linebackers coach which is Ernie Sims um previously worked at USF Stop me when you when you want to say anything. So I'm just going to kind of run through these and we can yeah, talk about can them collectively. Yeah, can I can I can I say now? There's a thing on here I didn't know happened. Did Brandon Jennings say he's come back to UCF? Yeah. Now you're making me question, but yes, I believe he did. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. I thought <laughs> I we guess talked I missed about that. that. Did we? Yeah. So Brandon Jennings is coming back to UCF. Yeah. He tweeted, "2023 Night Nation, stay locked in." And Jason Beatty from the Orlando Sentinel quote tweeted, "said After deciding to take a red shirt, following four games this year." Linebacker Brandon Jennings will be back at UCF next season, he announces. So you know what happened is he I'm looking at now, he tweeted that and I started looking at the photos because it was the best uniform combo of this year. And I think I didn't oh, like read good. the post. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, him coming back is big because I, I mean, from our understanding, he basically decided to redshirt when he realized that even though he was a four-star, he was not going to be gifted a starting spot. And it sounded like his intention was to transfer. Then Again. I'm a, now I'm assuming, but I'm assuming that once the end of the season rolled around, he was like, he realized two things. One uh, no one's going to be interested in a player looking for his fourth school in two years. And two, uh, UCF suddenly had no linebackers. So I think that that was kind of just a best for both sides type thing where UCF needs depth there and he can provide it. And he probably will have a chance to play next year, depending on what they do in the portal. So yeah. that's good to hear. You know, that's good to have. I, I still think he has potential. So, yeah. And as of right now, uh, coming back alongside him is Jason Johnson, who last time we talked, he had like we always kind of just assumed because he had another year. We're like, yeah, he'll be back. And then he had like a weird answer in his press conference before the Duke game where it was like he was still evaluating his future. So we we're like, uh, it would be really bad if he left also because that would yeah. leave UCF with two without two linebackers. That uh, was he's really, back. that one was like you said, it's like I, I, I get I get very annoyed when I don't. I'm not even worrying about something. Then a player gives me something to worry about. Like I'd never <laughs> even imagined that Jason Johnson would return. Then that presser, he's just like, we'll see, you know, future up in the air. And I'm like, <laughs> why Jason? Like why? So really happy yeah. to have him back. Obviously he was fantastic this year. And I, I, again, it's like, you know what? FCS guys, they're awesome. Let's go get more of them. They're great. Yeah. Um, one other player returning is Katie McDaniel, more of an outside guy, obviously, but I think, you know, he's valuable depth to have. And then, the last really big thing is that Antonio Greer, who obviously committed to UCF as a transfer from USF when T-Will was still here, he is an, 
he's announced that his status is still undecided and he'll he'll announce it on january 7th this is after uh arkansas put out a tweet announcing his transfer to arkansas so can i break down the timeline on this yeah so please An- do antonio greer linebacker from the university of south florida there's some random group of five school you probably haven't heard of and he enters the transfer portal commits to ucf yay go nice charge on and he says that he committed basically because of travis williams travis williams leads to go to arkansas you may have heard of this and then a couple days later arkansas tweets proud to have brought in antonio greer as a linebacker transfer they put up a whole post on their main social media which ucf doesn't even really do for their transfers so i found that surprising antonio greer's social media silent it not not only doesn't tweet about arkansas doesn't like any tweets doesn't reach away anything still has the ucf header and all that then a few days later he removes the UCF from his bio and takes off the UCF cover photo. Nothing else. A few more days go by. Then and he then says, it just said linebacker at. <laughs> li- no, it said linebacker at the. And then nothing else, which I thought was great. Still nothing about Arkansas. Never likes an Arkansas tweet. Then just shows up and says, my recruitment is 100% open. Still like UCF a lot, but we'll see what happens. So I don't know what the hell is going on there. I It sounds like Arkansas screwed up, in my opinion. Like it sounds like, I don't Something know if that was happened. a tweet they weren't supposed to send or if. You know, there's also things like there have been misunderstandings and this just kind of happens where sometimes, you know, semantics, whatever, a, a coach misunderstands a player <laughs> when they're saying that, you know, I, that that stuff has happened before. A coach is under the impression they've gotten it committed from the player and they really haven't. Players have been under the impression before they've received an offer from the school and they have it. It's a recruiting murky. So I don't know what happened there, but UCF still clearly in the running. And I don't know. I feel like if he was just going to go to Arkansas, he would have just gone to Arkansas. So I feel like UCF's in this. Yeah, I think so. And he said January 7th, which is this coming Saturday, um, is the day he's going to announce it. So we'll find out. I guess it's just a wait and play it by ear thing. Then the other, there's so many line, well, there's so many linebacker things to talk about. The other thing that came out today, and it's not even really like hard news that we can really like concrete, like talk about, but there's a freshman LSU linebacker, Demario Tolan, who's from Orlando, from Dr. Phillips. He's entered the transfer portal unexpectedly, apparently. Uh, LSU, well, he was going to potentially start next year at LSU. And LSU, this is a tweet from Brody Miller, who covers LSU for The Athletic, said, LSU certainly disappointed to lose him, but been told it's one of those situations where it's best for the kid. LSU is really high on Tolan, but they understand. The subtext of that makes me feel like, oh, maybe he's coming home. And I'm trying not to jump to conclusions, but UCF had offered him during as a high school recruit. He made a visit during Bounce House weekend, and I've kind of already jumped to conclusions. Which is yeah. bad because he very well has probably going to have like a million offers to go elsewhere and he could just do that, but would love to have him just putting that out there. Yeah, we're heavily jumping the gun and we're doing so without any like concrete information, which is always what you're supposed to do on a podcast. I don't so. care. I, I know this is funny because we have a pretty like we do a pretty good job on this podcast. Like we like, you know, we we don't we, we really we really don't just speculate like usually like we had to have like been told something before we were just like, yeah, let's go talk about it. But I don't know. This one's just so enticing. And I, I you know. He is from Orlando. He did come to Bounce House Weekend. Maybe it could happen. I mean, yeah, so I'm saying, I wildly say speculating, less, but... I want to say, let's consider this less speculation, more just maybe a potential target. Just maybe. Sure. Maybe. We'll see. We're just but, naming targets for the staff now. Hey, Ernie Sims, welcome to UCF. Hope you tune into the Pegasus podcast where we list out your linebacker. Well, that's target. the thing. If if they haven't already, like, contacted him or at least already, like, thought about him, I, then... I don't, I guess we're kind of helping, but I would imagine they've jumped on that as soon well, as possible. I did go check out the LSU 247 board just to see if there was anything there. And their, their 247 folks were just kind of like, yeah, we have no idea why he's leaving. So mm. I, 
you know, in a lot of these situations, guys do end up trying to get closer to home. Now, closer to home for him might mean Gainesville or something. Like, we just don't know. But, you know, the idea of UCF being in the running for a guy who was set to probably start a linebacker for LSU next year, that'd be a big get. That'd be a big get. Yeah, it would. Um, We can leave all the linebacker stuff there. So that was a lot to get through. But UCF's in, like, decent shape, I guess, with Jason Johnson coming back, Brandon Jennings coming back. We just had a whole linebacker conversation. Didn't even discuss the Harris twins who are committing in less than a month now. And and they said they said yesterday they are down to uh, they're down to UCF and Maryland and UCF's the leader. So I don't (laughs) I don't know what I I, have I talked about the hair? Have we talked about? I can't remember what I say. We just talked about, I think, the fact that on on signing day, we talked about that fact that they didn't sign and that we weren't really sure what was going on there. I found this recruitment process incredibly annoying. And (laughs) I've decided I really don't care if they come here or not, even though they both have incredible upside. But, you know. They, I mean, I think they both played really well in the Under Armour game too, didn't I they? Don't, I don't. I I just don't. That, that was the thing. I'm watching the again, Under Armour game, and I'm just like, damn it, why do they look so good? Like that made me again be like, care about this. I don't. I know this has been a weird recruiting process, but you guys are good. So if you want to come here, then do so. But yeah, let's let's leave the linebacker stuff there because there's a million other things you got to get through, and then we've got to get to our what was supposed to be our main topic. It's going to end up being like a footnote, our UCF New Year's resolutions, but. Um, another out of nowhere thing where, like you mentioned earlier, you hate having things where you're just not worrying about something. And then all of a sudden you have reason to worry. This is another one of those things where starting center for the last three years, Matt Lee has entered the transfer portal and he's gone. That's just like terrible. That. That's just awful. Um, just like that. I can't believe we got to a point where I was like sitting back. I think I even said it on our post game pod. I was like, oh, wow, I actually feel like really good about the O-line next year, like really good across the board. I- and then. By yeah. far the best piece of the O line this past year is like. By the way, I'm leaving. <laughs> I listened. I listened to our post game podcast today, just kind of seeing where we were about a week ago. And I said some was, things we, I probably shouldn't have, but we hey, were that's what the post game pods are for. We were talking about the offensive line. And you were like, "Yeah, I mean Matt Lee." You know, if he said something like, "You don't have to worry about like Matt Lee's coming back," and I was like, "Oh wow, it sounds really bad now," but it just didn't feel like something that was even worth like thinking about. And I know I don't like think anybody the, knew that was coming. That just came out of nowhere just the era that we're in i guess anyone can leave at any time so be on your well guard. why he's leaving matters and we don't know why or at least you and me don't i it, you know i it could be it i mean the way i look at it is if there is some locker room issue or culture issue and he's like i got i i gotta get out of here that's bad that's a problem if it's that some other school was like here's a significant bag of money to enter the portal, then that's, that's the game these days. And, you know, either way, I mean, it's, I, I, part of me just feels like we're going to continue to see the hypo era guys filter out over the next year. It seems like that's just how these coaching changes go now. And he is a hypo era guy, even though he's, you know, got like lengthy UCF ties. So I don't know that, that one sucks. There's not really a way to spin that one. Like I can't offer you some kind of like, well, you know, it's like, no, it's just bad. And honestly, there's no one on the roster to fill in for him. I mean, who you go to like Caden Kittler, who's a true freshman and hasn't played. I mean, they got to go to the portal now for a center and centers are not the type of guys who are just like hanging out in the portal. You know, that's yeah, going to be tough. And you've seen UCF the last couple of years bring in like four offensive tackles from the portal. But I don't think there's just a lot of centers to choose from. So and I got to say, too, but well, let's just turn this into the Matt Lee podcast. I've seen there were a lot of fans on Twitter who were like, well, the O-line suck anyway. So who cares? It's like Matt <laughs> Lee was like far and away the best part of the O-line this year. Like Matt Lee was not the problem on the O-line at all. He was very good all season. So I don't know. I, I don't know that that one's really unfortunate and that I, if they can't replace him, that's a huge problem for next year. Yeah. It's just like, I don't even know where they go from here. Like it's like we have the linebacker stuff where we have some things that need to be resolved, but I'm curious you know, feel... if there's anyone, sorry to interrupt you really quickly. Is there anyone on the O-line who they could 
that they have that they can move to center. I'm, I, I should probably look up if anyone has like center experience. Not that I don't know the top of my head. I'm sure there might be somebody who maybe played center in high school or something. But I mean, the last three years, Matt Lee has been the center. And I know he was when he was hurt for the times that he was hurt. I don't remember. They, who, it who was they Sam Jackson. Over? Was it Sam? At one point, it was Cole Schneider at one point. Yeah. Two guys so who were not here. So um, did we ever get clarity on whether Tyler Grable's coming back or not? I don't think we did. Okay. There, I mean, someone probably out there can answer that for us, but I think we've heard multiple different things. And... He was like a tight end a couple years ago. I'm sure, so I'm sure if they need him to be a center, he'd be able to figure it out. But... <laughs> well, because we talked about it, I think we talked about Tyler Grable like he was leaving, and then they brought in two offensive tackles. And if Grable's not leaving, we're like, what do they do with him? Maybe they do. Well, you're saying like, where do they? I mean, that's the thing. He's played for 30 positions, maybe. Saying I that, I really don't know. We... Made a glancing reference to him on the postgame podcast, but Alabama offensive lineman Amari Kite transferred to UCF over That's the last a big couple one. weeks. So he joins Marcellus Marshall as, you know, another addition to the offensive line. Um I, yeah, I mean an Alabama offensive lineman, I'll take I'll take all of them. Like anyone wants to come to UCF, I'm not gonna say no to an Alabama offensive lineman. I'll take Alabama transfers, period. I don't care what position yeah. you play. I, I mean, if Alabama saw you saw you as someone offer a scholarship to out of high school, I will take you and like like we said, other than Matt Lee now, it's like the O-line was shaping up really well between Lokahi <laughs> returning and Amari Kai and Marcellus Marshall and someone I'm missing. Um, there's another one. Yeah, Adrian Medley, I guess, maybe. I don't really know what his status is. He was supposed to start this past year and suffered a season-ending injury in spring. I don't know if he's coming back. We haven't heard much about him. But either way, they were – and maybe Talon Grable. I mean, they had a lot of options there to build like a solid O-line. And now yeah. there's a gaping hole in the middle of that O-line. So we'll have to see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, the last thing I have here is that we have another returner on the defense, and it's Ricky Barber, which I don't think I was really like concerned about, but you never know, I guess. I have a problem with Ricky Barber. What? Why? I have a problem. Oh, because of the. Oh, okay. Because um, of his, because of his announcement. Ricky Barber's a great player, one of the best players on defense. I've been a huge Ricky Barber fan. You know that if you listen to this podcast. What? Why did he have to post that announcement like he was leaving? I, it's like until the last line, you were like, this man is leaving UCF. And it's like, with that being said, like, it's like, why are we making announcements for not doing things? Like, I, I, I'm really over it, man. That was a really, that's, really stressful 30 seconds. We've seen we've seen a rise in that this year. And I think that's just a, pr- a product of the transfer portal is like everybody's making announcements. So players who like have options in their future they're like let me let me get in on this let me let me uh just mess with everybody a little but bit it's but the okay, to be fair, everyone has an option with their future to be fair i think i i sent that tweet to you right and i kind of i softened it didn't i yeah but i didn't read your message i just clicked You're, on the tweet then that's your fault I'm i know you. i know because i saw it and i was like christian's gonna freak out about this so i sent it to you and was like oh he had me in the first half you just ignored my message and then clicked on it. To All read. I saw was you sent but, me a Ricky Barber tweet, which had never happened before. So I just frantically clicked the link to see what was going on. Well, read my messages then. Um, yeah, but no, huge to have him back. I, I didn't think he wasn't going to be back, but I also thought Matt Lee would be back. So I don't know, Ricky Barber, John Walker up the middle, Lee Hunter up the middle. Like that's that defensive line shaping up to be pretty, pretty fun. Um, you know, it's too bad the uh, offense is leaving me with a ton of questions but yeah that defensive line looks really really interesting for next year i think that's everything um we have a couple miscellaneous things to get to in the normal football news section later but nothing like groundbreaking so anything else you want to touch on there before we get into our new year's resolutions that are related to ucf um no okay i have nothing maybe play other than maybe players should oh, stop i do have a thing they're coming back i do have a thing i tweet i tweeted um after uh 
after uh, the press conference when Henshaw said that the quarterback competition was wide open, I tweeted the news that Mikey's OC had just <laughs> left, and I was like, maybe he comes back. That was a joke, and I'm just going to say that for the people who listen to the pod because I'm really enjoying the people on Twitter who don't realize it's a joke. And Of course. I think it's fun. I tweeted that. Like, I'm like, it's funny. Like, I everything I tweet, and I've said this before, now we're just going to go on a tangent about my tweeting habits. I don't <laughs> do the whole, like, pot stirring i'm just gonna tweet stuff to rile people up like everything i tweet is what i think and i i, I people think, think that you do that oh i know i know they do but like let me be clear like that was me stirring the pot that was just me trying <laughs> to have some fun so but anyway so you do it from time to time but that's not your typical persona Let's i can't remember that. the last time i did it before that to be honest it's like my opinions are just so insane people think that's what i'm doing <laughs> yeah pretty much um all right well let's get into what this podcast was originally intended to be about which is our ucf resolutions it is the new year it's 2023 recording Ooh. this on january 4th um i'm never one that's big on resolutions i you know try to make some goals but like everyone fail to stick to them most of the time um but maybe i won't i won't fail to stick to these because these mean a lot to me that's good uh, not really they really okay. don't. Wow. But hey, we've got three. Way to hype got, up the resolutions. We've got three UCF resolutions. And we left this very open-ended, as we tend to do on this podcast. Um, so these can be related to ourselves, like with UCF or the fan base or the program or the team, whatever, anything. So why don't you start us off? Because I'm really curious to see which way you went with all these. All right. So I decided to come up with three resolutions. And I decided to assign none of them to myself and, and instead to other people who I feel need them. So we're already off to a great start. So I that's assigned the most, three resolutions. That's the most you thing I've ever heard in my life. I have a resolution for Gus Malzahn. I have a revolution. A revolution. Excuse me. <laughs> a revolution. I have a, yeah, it's an offensive revolution. It's name is Darren. Darren is going to revolutionize uh, the offense by throwing the ball down. Vertical field. passing. I still can't believe that. It wasn't him saying it. it was Gus Malzahn going up and they're like, what, what, you know, what you say he has really good ideas. What are they? And he's like, oh, he has this idea where we throw the ball down. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I get really excited about it. I know our players are going to be excited about it. And I'm like, his face was lit up. Like he was like, <laughs> I had never considered the idea that we could try some vertical passing. I just, it's amazing. <sighs> like his, Gus's mind was probably blow when Henshaw was like, Gus is looking at the play he drew, drew, drew up and he's like, okay, but you've got the pass happening beyond the line of scrimmage here. How's yeah, that? You're work? like, wait, this route goes it starts by going forward. What do you what do you mean by that? Explain. How are you gonna do a slant 30 yards down the field? That would take way too long to develop. No coach, they just run straight. Anyway, so I have three revolution resolutions. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're doing great. Three resolutions, one for Gus Malzahn, one for UCF fans, and one for Terry Mahajer. So I'll give you the Gus one first. <laughs> I know what the Terry Mahajer one is. I think I know what it is. I don't think you do. I almost we'll did see. it. Okay. I don't think I you almost... do, but we'll see. Okay. Uh I almost said revolution. My resolution for Gus Malzahn is in the new year of 2023, stop second guessing yourself. Do not allow yourself to think about anything. Just do the obvious thing. For example, we have a couple of the case studies from 2022. When you have one quarterback who is better than the other, just start that quarterback. Don't say that you hypothetically thought about if they had been live, which ones would have done what in your mind and use that to pick a player. If, say, you're in a critical situation in a bowl game and it's fourth and two, just run wild Bowser. You don't have to think, well, you know, I don't know, maybe that we've done that a lot this year. They might see it coming. Let's go for, like, whatever. Let's throw the ball. Just just don't second guess. Just You're right the first time. Just do the first thing. Do the first thought. And don't do the second one. That, that's my resolution for Gus Malzahn. Okay. And, yeah, just go back, back to the quarterback thing because that's what we're going to do all offseason, apparently. Um the first instinct there was honestly like he was like well I'm, I'm, i may have them go live and then he just didn't just let him go live just once that's, that's it really something yeah. that's important to you let him do it 
if you're yeah. and, he, and that was another example where first they're like i think he had them go live in spring and then fall came is like he went back and forth for 40 hours then or 40 days or whatever and then was like we're not gonna do it we're not gonna go live and then he used what they would have done live to make this and just don't second guess it's like you're a very smart guy you're a very good football coach just do the do the first thought go with your gut don't do the second thought it's a very interesting one i didn't i didn't know that's where you were going to go there um a lot of these, actually, a lot of mine, all of mine, have to do with me. My first one, though, has to do with both me and the UCF fan base, and that Go is basically: on. do not let yourself raise expectations for year one in the Big Twelve beyond going six and six. So we've said it many, many times: where six wins, making a bowl next year would be great. I mean, it'll be like that's the that's almost like the, the expectation. That's the goal. That would be awesome. Anything above that would be awesome. But don't expect anything above that because you're just going to set yourself up for disappointment. And I know that now. So like that's, that whole message right there was for the fan base. The part of this that's for me is when we start to do those preview pods toward the end of the summer, as the season's approaching, I cannot let myself talk myself into this team being better than it actually is and being re- more ready for the Big 12 than it actually is. Because then I just won't enjoy the season and I won't have a good time and I'll be happy when the season ends. Like I was when the, the Duke game was over. I was like, okay, good. Glad that's over. Let's get on to eight months without UCF football. So that's what it is. There you go. They're going don't, undefeated Don't let expectations daily. shut up. Don't let expectations go above six and six. Okay. My second prediction or my, not, not my prediction. <laughs> I'm crumbling, guys. I'm trying to keep it together and I can't. My second resolution, my one for the fans is to dramatically and permanently lower your expectations for the UCF football program. So I figure I'll just say that now since it's the same thing. Dramatically and permanently. I was thinking about this, the the permanently part a little bit. Yeah. I'll I'll talk you through the permanently part is that I think UCF has fallen off and we'll never get back to it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, The permanent part was I had, I had an epiphany recently and it was that I realized that no UCF fan has been happy since 2018. They've all been sad the entire time. (laughs) And I feel like that is not a healthy way. I actually, so this originated from, I told you about the athletic wrote this column about what it's like to be an Ohio state. Oh yeah. You said you were going to send this column to me and you never did. I'm not good at following through on things I say. We know that. But anyway, the column was all about how Ohio State fans are miserable all the time. And it talked about how, you know, this was before the playoff game. And it said, even though they're going to the playoff, everyone is just in a state of uh, anger and annoyance. And it's because the expectations are so high that they just, they can't enjoy anything except perfection. And if the season doesn't meet the highest of expectations, the season is ruined. And I'm reading this and I'm like, this is UCF fans. This is about Ohio State. And I'm reading a description of UCF fans. And we play into that too. Like we played a role, but we are at the point now where basically 2017 and 2018 happened. And now anytime the team is not undefeated with spoiler alert guys, is going to be every year for the rest of time. UCF fans are upset. I mean, this year they, it was, it should have been a much better year than it was, but they still went to the conference title game. They won nine games, two years in a row. Fans were miserable the whole year. And honestly, they were miserable all of last year too. And the bowl just helped cover it up. 2020 was awful. 2019, they went 10 and three. And if you're just the top 25 and people will still call that a disappointing season when they talk about it now, it's just, so my thing is like, you know, guys, like you see, it's going to the big 12 and that's great. And I think that they're going to be able to establish themselves as a national power in the long term. I really believe that, but Next year, the best case scenario is six and six or seven and five. And I really want us to try to find a way to find some enjoyment out of that and not just sit here and be angry every year that they're not undefeated. You know, my favorite people are the ones that are like, they think like they're super virtuous for like having such high expectations for UCF. Like when you say like, oh, hopefully they just make a bowl next year. They're like, people are like, oh, you're like, you're holding the program back. Oh, yeah. Like UCF, UCF can be a power. Like if, if we believe it's just like, no, I mean. Be realistic, and then you'll probably enjoy yourself a little bit more. 
I get that. It's, I mean, the worst thing that ever happened, and I've said this on the podcast before, was that 2017 happened and then 2018 happened. And every UCF fan, <laughs> including Bailey and I, said, oh, this is how things are now. Yeah. Didn't realize that that was a very, very special stretch with a very, very special group of players and not just the way things will be. And we got to do better there. We got to do better. I just thought, I would think, yeah, I mean, personally, I thought like, okay, UCF is at this point where it's like every year they're going to be the power of the power or the group of five. And then I never thought, I don't think like in a million years that like this soon after that, they'd be going to the power five. Cause obviously I wouldn't have continued to say like, Oh, they're going to dominate the power five. But yeah, no, it just became a thing where after those two years, I was like, well, this has become a regular thing where they're just like in the new year's six picture every year. Which it's I still also, feel like it's also, a, it which, could be, but. Well, but we say that like, okay, you look at since 2018. Okay. In 2019, they came seven points away from being undefeated. 2020 yeah. was covid so obviously that was a horrible year 2021 injuries maybe they would have been 2022 they they yeah. were they were they a game away from the cockles so they have away. been in that conversation and the other thing and you go into the power five now in the big 12 it's like we're talking about a future in the 12 team playoff where like ucf going 10 and 2 can net them a playoff spot and it's like we have to like look at expectations differently like we have to get to the point where we can be happy with an eight and four season or a nine and three season because that is what success is going to look like at this next level you're not ucf is i don't people are gonna hate when i say this i don't believe ucf is ever going to at least not in the next 10 years, become the type of program where they're just in the 12-team playoff every year, especially in the Big 12 when every single team is bought in on football and every single team's trying to win. I just don't think that's possible. And I don't want Anyone, us to be miserable if, most of the time. Anyone's bothered by you saying that. That's like that's who we're talking to right now about yeah, lowering much. your expectations because, yeah, I mean, they're not going to be a perennial like team. It's like one of those things where if you're going eight and four, nine and three, most like a lot of years, that's like being on the fringe basically of the playoff every year. Yeah. And if, if some of those years turn into 10 and two or 11 and one and you make the playoff, like those are the, the special years. Those are the big years. But yeah, I mean, eight and four, nine and three, you get to that range where you're like, we're just right there. We're in the conversation. And that's a lot of like in the 12 team era with the way everything is going to be, especially playing as a big 12 team. Like that's where like that's where you're supposed to be. That's where you're going to want to be, yeah. I think. And that's the no thing that can... other fans don't or other fans that a lot of fans don't understand is when you look at the big 12 and it's what makes it such a scary league. That's going to be so much fun is. Top of the league to the bottom of the league, every single program, except maybe Houston, is determined to win at football and putting tons of money into football, even Kansas. And you look at other power leagues, that's not the case. The ACC, half the ACC does not care about their football teams. Yeah. A good chunk of the Pac-12 doesn't. A lot of the Big Ten doesn't, honestly. And it's just, there just aren't easy, there's no, it's not like the AAC or those other power leagues even where you can get the schedule in the middle of the offseason and pick five games, you know, or easy automatic wins every single game is going to be a battle so you have to sort of re-establish what success looks like yeah because the results of that investment is parity which we've seen over the last couple of years where last year it was what baylor and oklahoma state playing for the title both of them really really good teams this year kansas state wins the big 12 title tcu is now in the national championship game like it's just every year it seems like that's kind of like not even revolving door but it's like these teams are all kind of in it because this year you looked at it and Baylor and Oklahoma State were both not that great, but you could turn around yeah. next year and they could be good again. Or you might look at Texas Tech all of a sudden comes like it's just there's there's every team you feel like at any time. And even Kansas this year, like Kansas started out about six and oh, like it, yeah. Kansas is to the point where like they want to compete too. like Houston. Yeah, Houston's the one where you look at where you're like, all right, you got to figure it out here, Houston. Houston football might be where UCF basketball is right now. I think mm, that's very offensive to UCF basketball. Um, okay, so no, no, not right now. But when you look at the Big Twelve landscape, yeah, does that I not feel accurate? I think yeah. that's why it's funny that I think people look at Houston as like, oh, the sleeping giant. It's like that that program does not have fans. 
um, they don't have fans. And I understand that they have a couple boosters. I understand that they have a a bad and small but real stadium. But it's like you can only get so far when you have literally no fan support. And they have unquestionably they're going to become the smallest fan base in the Power Five. They were not a particularly large fan base in the Group of Five, and I. It was a weird addition. I understand why they did it. I understand why it made sense at the time. I understand why it still makes sense from a recruiting market talent perspective, but they're going to struggle. Um, I was going yeah. to say something else before you asked me about Houston on this topic, and now I will never remember what it was, and that's going to bother me for the rest of my life. So, Awesome. Um, my second UCF-related New Year's resolution, uh, this is another personal one, and it's going to be to attend at least five UCF sporting events this spring between basketball, baseball, and softball. That's good news um, for me. Yeah, I think so. I thought you liked that one. There's um, no way you're going to do that. Don't put that negative energy out there. So the reason for this is, one, I love UCF baseball. I love UCF softball. Those games are so much fun to go to. I love it. Um, the trick is obviously the fact that I live in Tampa. It's going to be difficult to make that many trips. And after a fall full of you know almost being in Orlando every weekend and then even that kind of continuing into December, I'm tired of driving on I-4. It sucks. I hate it. I need a train. Um but I just want to do it. And what I want to do is like, I'm giving myself five. So five seems fairly doable because they will play in Tampa. They'll play at USF multiple times in these sports. Oh, that doesn't so help if I can, Well, it doesn't help you, but it helps mm. me. So if I can make it to one or two of those, I think I'll feel pretty good about getting to Orlando. I could knock two or three games out in one weekend in Orlando with baseball and softball. So let's do it. It'd be fun. And I, I like how torn. when you started this yeah. resolution, Almost said a revolution yeah. again. I don't know. What's wrong with my brain? You said that, and I'm like, he won't do this. But if he does, that's so cool. Five different weekends or something. I can look forward to like going to one of these games. And then by the end of it, it's like, I'm going to do two of them in Tampa, and the other three will be a single baseball series. And and, that, and that's where you're at now. So yeah, that no, sounds I, super attainable. No, I'm just saying it seems doable. Like, that's the thing. It doesn't have to all be in those two I think you should. Doable. I think you should double down here, and it should be five in Orlando. You shouldn't be able to count the Tampa ones. I disagree, because I, I, want, I wanted this to be achievable. I have you a don't think it's achievable on. to watch five UCF sporting on. events in Orlando. Like you said, you can knock out three in a baseball well, series. So this was what I was going to say. The reason this was like, this was born out of the fact that I regret throughout the fall. I think we went to one volleyball game. One volleyball no game. Games. We've been to one basketball game. We went to, oh, did no we not go to games. any soccer games this year? No. Right. So that's the thing is I regret the whole fall passing and me only, it was just the kind of way the schedule worked out with football. Like yeah. if, if they would have been home, like volleyball or soccer would have been home more when UCF had home games. It would have been better, but yeah, Which, I just kind of regret the fall passing. For our yeah. newer listeners, once upon a time, when this podcast started, Bailey lived in Orlando as well, and it was amazing. Yeah, we could go to all okay. these, we'd go to baseball, softball, volleyball, soccer. We had a great time. And then Bailey, for no reason, moved to Tampa. It's not like he got a new job. He just moved to Tampa because he was bored of Orlando. And now I don't get to go to a lot of UCF games anymore because I don't like going to things alone. So that thanks, Bailey. That mischaracterizes things maybe a little bit. But... I don't think so. But anyway. <laughs> sure. Uh, let's get your third revolution. All right, my final revolution. Res <laughs> I didn't even catch that you were doing it. Oh my god! I tricked you into doing it. Apparently, oh, I was no. just okay. All right, my final resolution is for one Terry Mahajer. And you may have remembered how I told Gus to not overthink, just go with his gut. My resolution, my resolution for Terry Mahajer is to second guess every single thing he does, any decision, any tweet, anything, anytime he talks, anytime he's on a podcast or in front of media, before he says something, I. I just take a second. Think about, is this really a thing? Is this really a soundbite we want the UCF AD having said out in the world? And just give yourself that extra five seconds to think, should I really say this? And, and that's my resolution for Terry Mahajer. 
listen, listen. So you, when you when you teased that you had one for Terry Mahajer and I said, I think I know what it is because I almost did it. And you said, I don't think so. I did. I almost I almost said Terry Mahajer needs to like watch his mouth, basically. <laughs> but then I thought about it and I was like, well, no, because then if he does that, there's some things that we found out that we wouldn't have known. There's a lot and of I things. Think, basically, I every time he... I think there's an entertainment value to just the fact that we have a loose cannon AD who will just say things all the time. It's, but it's, okay, so part of the reason I'm especially on this, which you guys, if you follow him on Twitter, you see this all the time, a fan will tweet, like, at Terry Mahadra, I would love to have this shirt, and he'll be like, go to Kohl's, like, buy it, and staple it on, <laughs> like, which, you know, that's probably, or he'll just, you know, demand that the hot dogs in the arena be changed, whatever, and he recently, there's that new, like, charged on X, or charge on XYZ thing, which I'm still not totally sure what it is, it's some sort of, like, independent, but connected to the school thing, I can't figure out what it is, but anyway. They did a podcast interview of Terry Mahadra, which I don't know if a lot of you listen to. It's 40 minutes. And it's 40 minutes of Mahadra saying so many things he shouldn't say. Like, so many things. Like, the interviewer is like, talk me through hiring Gus Malzahn. And he's like, yeah, we had a bad list of candidates because of the time of the cycle that I was making the hire. And, you know, I asked the president and the school to wait, and they told me I couldn't. So we ended up with Gus Malzahn. And I'm like, whoa, like, that's just not a thing you should have said. And it's just, I, he just, and it's constant. I, that, that 40 minutes was just 40 minutes of things I wish were not out there. And let me tell you, it, it's especially because Bailey and I were like very active in covering UCF when Danny White was AD. That was back in our like heyday where we were able to go to like every access, you know, cover everything, go to a lot of games. And let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff Danny White did that like was stupid or it was like this guy's being ridiculous, but it just wasn't public. And Mahadra like <laughs> airs out he's every an open bad book. thing he does. And it just made like it's a perception thing. It's like he's no better or worse than Danny White or any other AD, but it's just like stop saying this stuff, man. You don't. Have to so here's that. what. Here's what he was doing with with that interview. He was creating value, Christian. Because what <laughs> yeah. this charge on XYZ thing is, it's a thing that says, your journey begins here. Unlock exclusive content. So I think it's like a subscription thing where like it's for, it says own your own UCF fan experience thing. So uh, it's yes, like basically give them YouTube money. video that I clicked on. <laughs> give them money and you'll just get to hear all the things, all of Terry Mahajer's inner thoughts and just ideas. If I wanted to hear Terry Mahadra's inner thoughts, I could tweet at him and I'd get them. I don't need to pay for a, <laughs> a subscription service to get those. I just, that that's my resolution for Terry Mahadra. I think he's doing a very good job as AD. I think he's has the program in the right direction, has some exciting stuff. I just wish he'd talk a little less because he says then, some things <laughs> that you don't want out there. I think one of my all-time favorite moments of his is him jumping on the Twitter space talking about oh the new God. football uniforms and him just going, did they like the volleyball and soccer uniforms? We showed them those yet? And then Eric DeSalo was like, uh no we didn't tell him about those yet he like, dropped oh. them all because then he's like oh what about basketball like he just kept going and it's like all right i guess all the sports are getting yeah no I that's just, how I, we I, found I, out that pewter and anthracite were gone he spoke to i think it was matt michelle at the sentinel and he and matt michelle probably asked a question like how are the football facilities coming and he was like we're getting rid of gray and it was just this whole like <laughs> tangent about how they're getting rid of gray and not having gray uniforms this is why I ultimately didn't make this resolution because I think it's fun. I enjoy it. <laughs> I, I really, like I said, it's fun for us, but like there are worse sides of it. Like anytime you put a mic in front of him and ask about NIL, you get a rant about how NIL is like destroying yeah. athletics and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I really hate that UCF's AD is the AD. Like there are a lot of ADs that think that. There are a lot of coaches that think that, but this is a very pro, uh, pro player, pro NIL environment right now. And you don't want your school to be the one branded as we don't like this stuff, you know? Yeah, there was the also also the time where he just like randomly was just like, oh yeah, I almost I turned down a series of Washington. I forgot <laughs> that about was, that. This that is what I'm talking thing, about. So. And then when you actually hear about it, it's like like that 
he described it in the worst way. He was yeah, like, Washington because then, offered us a home for home. And I said, no, because I like playing FAU. That was what he said. And then it then comes there was out, an uproar. You know, there was an uproar. And then he was like, well, no, you guys didn't get the context. And he was like, well, you're but, the one that said Okay. It. All right. I'm going to go. All right. We're going to go on a mini Terry Mahajer rant really quickly. I know that did this at the time. If you don't know what we're talking about, Terry Mahajer was on a radio interview and he said that on the interview. He was like, yeah, you know, we, he, t- he was talking about it in the context of the FAU series. He was like, yeah, you know, we had a home and home offer from Washington. And then, you know, I turned that down because it's important for our fans to be able to travel to games, you know, games like FAU. Jason B listens to that, posts a story with the transcription, says, here's what Terry Mahajer said on the radio. And Terry Mahajer quote tweets and is like, don't believe everything you read. Like, you're welcome to call me anytime <laughs> to get the real story. And it's like, it's your words. You said this. That, like, what? Okay. I, he literally, he said something and then looked at his own thoughts and said, that's not true. Like, it's your words. <laughs> And then, then it comes to come out where it was like either the Washington series or the Florida two for one. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. If that's, yeah, the, that, that's what we're coming down to, to. That was the story that it was one or the other. It's like, well, that's fine then. Like, yeah. okay. Like it, that's what I'm kind of talking about with my resolution is it's like, I think he's a really good AD and I just, he, he just says stuff that it, it's things like that. Like when you casually drop information, it very quickly gets taken the wrong way. If you don't have the full context and that it just has created a lot of problems. Keep being you, Terry. <laughs> Bailey's just like keep it up man keep going um my last I, I, by the way I do want to say I hope it doesn't come across that we don't like Terry I love Terry Mahajan oh, yeah. yeah, for both he's what he's fun. actually doing and the entertainment value but <laughs> I, I do think that he could tweet and talk a little less about the inner workings of UCF athletics that's fair I just yeah we'll see um uh, my last one is one that I took forever to come up with like eight minutes before this podcast started I just could not think of a third one by the way this was my idea this topic I thought about it like weeks and weeks ago <laughs> And it was born out of, hey, a resolution I have for next season is don't pick a side in the quarterback battle. And I was like, oh, maybe we do some New Year's resolutions when the new year comes. And then John Rice Plumley said he was coming back. And I was like, okay, well, I kind of still have a rooting interest in the QB battle and I can't follow through with that one. So you texted me and you gone. said, I'm on the side of not John Rice Plumley. So I can't, <laughs> I can't follow through on that. Um, so yeah, that's fair. Um, I did say that. Um, so this third one, it took me forever to come up with. I thought of some other ones like podcast related. I thought of some like, more fan-related, UCF fan-related. This one's actually kind of both for podcast and myself. And that is uh, when it comes time to do our preseason awards later this summer, don't make an insane pick for breakout player of the year. Who did you pick this year? Jalen Griffin. Oh, no. I don't. I didn't remember that. I picked oh, Jalen Griffin. Man. Two years ago, I picked Jason Johnson. Jordan, um, Johnson. Jordan Johnson. Yeah. Wish I would pick Jason Johnson. Here's, pick Jordan a, here's Johnson. an idea. Stop picking wide receivers. Like yeah, just don't, it's not working. Maybe that you. showed in the resolution. Don't pick wide receiver. I should probably set a reminder. Who is my, my breakout right player? I want to go look for now. July. I'll set a reminder for July in my phone. Okay. Don't pick a wide receiver. Don't pick someone crazy. You were gonna get out. Not, of not that the person. Not that the person's crazy. Don't pick like a off the wall like pick because I just can't get that right. Apparently, you were gonna get outed for this anyway because we usually when we do our um preseason awards we go over what we did the year yeah, before. That's, but that's why I, I'm getting ahead of it. I do not remember you picking him. I picked Jalen Griffin. I sure did. Yeah. And, you know, he was setting the standard all offseason. He was. So then it didn't happen. Didn't happen in the regular season. So, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I found maybe mine. I found mine. don't pick a breakout or don't pick a bad breakout star um, and don't pick a wide receiver. Mine possibly. did not work out. It was yours. Brandon Adams. Ah, he was just fine. Yeah, he was all right. <laughs> he like, was there. He wasn't, he wasn't a breakout star. He was should I good. should I read mine really quickly? We'll just uh um really quickly. Yeah, like I I'll be very that. fast. 
Uh, my offensive MVP was Isaiah Bowser. That might be my. I might stick with that. Uh, my oh defense, yeah, we're doing we're doing uh postseason awards next week. Next week, my defensive MVP was Kobe Perry. Nope. Uh, breakout player of the year was Brandon Adams. Nope. Best newcomer Co- newcomer Kobe Hudson. No. Oh boy, my biggest surprise was going to be the passing game, and how good <laughs> it was going to look. Uh, and my biggest disappointment was going to be the quarterback situation. Nailed that. Wow, I just had mine pulled up, um, but I think I have them memorized. Um, so my offensive player of the year was going to be Ryan O'Keefe. I don't think we can say that Whoops. was the case. Nope. Uh, defensive player of the year, I said Devontae Brown, which was not the case either. Nope. Um, breakout star, I picked um, I picked Jalen Griffin. Newcom- would you say newcomer of the year was one of them? Yep. For that, I picked Kobe Perry, um, which we can't really say that either. Biggest surprise, I said that Isaiah Bowser would stay healthy all year and run for 1,000 yards. He did one of those um, two things. He did. So, and then my biggest disappointment was that UCF wouldn't win the conference championship, and I got it right. All right, let's go. So we'll be stay back tuned next, next week. week for what will be our very accurate. Well, no, those are po- those are posts. Yeah, those, so those will be. Accurate. If we get Not those bad. wrong, then uh, stay tuned trouble. in July for when we do our preseason ones. That surely will be very accurate, and uh, definitely tune in for that. It's gonna be you know spot on. We will predict. This I'm really bad perfectly. at this. I'm so bad at this. It's not on us, honestly, and it's why I don't feel like that. Like, I there are like certain media members who like don't really want to repeat when they get stuff wrong. But it's like that. That's the that's why we love college football. Is it is unpredictable. You can have all the information in the world, and you're still just going to get some stuff wrong. You know, and that that's why I think we have fun doing it. We do our best to keep yeah, you guys I mean, entertained and come up with some good stuff. But I'll continue to dunk on myself when I continue to get things wrong. Which and is what I'll and do. let me tell you, we will continue to get things wrong. So we sure will. Um, all right, well, let's let's leave that there, and we'll jump into the remaining football news from the last two weeks. Um, three players announcing they're entering the NFL draft, and none of them are surprises, obviously. Kobe Perry, who doesn't have any eligibility left. Kimori Gamble, who doesn't have any eligibility left. And Isaiah Bowser, uh, his announcement just before we got on the podcast today. Uh, the last podcast before, our signing day podcast, we talked about how that night Caden Lee was making his decision, and we thought maybe he might choose UCF. He didn't. He picked he Ole Miss over UCF. Um, and then last piece of news here, Alex Ward, UCF long snapper for, I think it was like the last five or six years. He has been invited to the NFL scouting combine. Of course, he'll be at the senior bowl. Have we mentioned on the podcast that I'm going to be at the senior bowl? I don't me think Alex Ward, me and Alex Ward, both going to be at the senior bowl for very different reasons. I was going to say, um, you're making that sound like you're going with Alex Ward to the senior bowl <laughs> no, for very different reasons, but yeah, he's going to be at the senior bowl. And also now he's going to be at the NFL combine. So that's really, really cool news for him. Uh, well-deserved honors there. And we'll jump into our game of the week, which is getting more and more tiresome because there's really only two sports to pick from. Yeah. One of the teams is doing really well. Um, one of them is not doing as well. We're sticking with UCF men's basketball this week. They have a game uh, tonight as we're talking, so it's not going to be that one. But this game on Sunday at 2 p.m. at home, uh, it's UCF men's basketball at 10-4, and 1-1, one and one, pending their game tonight against SMU, who's 6-8, and 1-0 oh in the AAC. They have another game as well before Sunday, but... Um, man, UCF men's basketball went down to the wire with number three, Houston at Houston. Uh, I think this is a good team. I'm fearing that they're good. You're, you're, um, you're killing the timing on saying that since they play ECU, like right after we finish recording and they could go lose that game, but I can sure agree with you. Um, if they beat East Carolina, I think the hype is officially on. Cause that's that classic, like game you expect them to win on paper that they've been randomly lose. Like we've seen the last few years. So if they do win this game, I think it's time to start having a serious talk about this being a good team Four losses by single digits that. They've played Houston better than literally anybody except Alabama, who's one of the top teams in the country this year. So they, they're good. We've established they're good, and we're just now we're learning how good. Yeah, and, and we we went into um, like we talked about on last podcast after the the 
bowl game, we you and I went to the conference opener against Wichita State, and that's a game that they won. You know, it's weird. Like they won it pretty comfortably. They didn't they didn't trail at any point. It got to as close as a one point game like multiple times, but it was just kind of like one that they were in control of. And Wichita State's not a team that they beat regularly. I mean, they've beaten no. the last two times now, but I think that brings the record to like two and eight all time against them. And there was basically um, so, I mean, one semi-scary moment for like 30 seconds late in the game. Other than that, they were in control start to finish. So they've, yeah. they've got a squad this year. So for that, and then they go to Houston and play well against Houston. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully I'm not jinxing all this, you know, talk now because they play ECU in a matter of minutes. But um, yeah, that's the game of the week is against SMU on Sunday. So if you can make it out to that one, do so. All right. And now we're on to tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. It's going to a media member. Don't usually do that, but sometimes... <laughs> They do stuff that's worth it. Uh, Jeff Sharon is our Tweet of the Week honoree this week. Uh, UCF Black and Gold Banneret editor, UCF Knights PA announcer. Um, he tweeted, year one comparison. And I'm not going to list this all out because a bunch. He then listed 2016 McKenzie Milton stats and 2022 JRP stats and ended with, I caution everyone not to pass final judgment on a QB after one season. There is one little teeny tiny thing he forgot when he put that together. And it's that McKenzie Milton was a true freshman. John Rice Plumlee is a senior. And how in the world could you possibly compare that? And, you know, he comes back with, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, you know, he, you know, he, he didn't play quarterback the last couple of years. And like, he still played a full season at quarterback in the SEC and has still been in college for four years. It's like the big leap you see in talent comes from freshman to sophomore. It's not just about experience. It's about you've had a full year in the weight room. You've bulked up. You've learned your college routine. You've learned how to be a college player. It's like, that's not replicable. For someone in their fourth year of college. And that was my first problem with it is ridiculous from that perspective. Oh, comparing year one, like a true freshman and a senior, the same thing. My second is, oh my God, can we please, oh please stop comparing every UCF quarterback to Mackenzie Milton? Can we just stop doing that? It's been four years. I'm done with it. They did it with Brandon Wimbush. They did it with Gabriel. They did it with Mikey. It's always the same thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, but, but let's see how he stacks up against the best player in program history. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Um, yeah, I agree. Can we also go back to last week too, when in a matter of days, we saw John Rice Plumley compared to McKenzie Milton, Lamar Jackson. So someone said he has the potential to be Lamar Jackson. I, I did not see that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, I did. Sorry. Okay, Lamar Jackson <laughs> and then Joe Burrow. What a group. What a group if, of athletes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's where... Listen, that's if Lamar Jackson to... couldn't throw and was slower and, and smaller, then yeah, <laughs> I think that'd be a good comparison. Um, yeah, that's just, that puzzled me. Did I, I, I ended up tweeting a, a thread about John Rice. I don't even really remember the whole, you know, the whole, everything about it. I just remember I tweeted a lot of things. Yeah. You just broke oh, it, it was, down by. Yeah, that's right. It was a breakdown of, of like, him against good defenses versus bad defense. He padded his stats so much against bad, bad defenses, bad teams. Which I, I feel like at this point, it, we're just but... harping on it way too much. Cause like, like I've said before, I've realized and it's brought me a lot of like mental peace is like, it's just the same 20 people who are really on JRP. Like the vast majority of the fan base, like understands that he's not the long-term answer to that position, but there there's 20 people who just, I don't know if it's just, they're so entrenched because they were convinced he was going to be good. They can't admit they were wrong. I don't know if they're just crazy, but there's just 20 people who will not let it go. And you know, that's, it's not the yeah. fan base. So. My favorite, my favorite response though to my thread about all that was someone saying, "Sir, the last thing this discussion needs is context and facts." That made me laugh. <laughs> I like that a lot. I actually, never gave that a like. I'm gonna go ahead and do that now. I'm gonna try to um, not this off season, like, because the fan base basically was all like, 
hating each other for the last few months. I'm not trying to not be that way if the quarterback race this offseason, unless John Rice Plumley is the leader, in which case we will continue this. <laughs> but if he isn't, we'll try to be calmer about it. I just, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I'm really like, I've, I've hit the, I've hit the wall in the last like couple of weeks where I'm like, we're gonna have to do this again this offseason. There's a real just, chance if they can't land a transfer, the JRP is just their best option. Like if Tommy or Timmy don't pan out, like they might just have to go up JRP again next year. And that's in the Big 12 is sort of terrifying to think about. Yeah. I'm just I've shifted if that's the case, I'll just shift more to being like excited about watching John Walker get reps next to like Ricky Barber and you know the Henderson twins and Isaiah Nixon and whoever else plays on defense. I'll just I'll just watch the defense. If UCF has to go that. six and six by winning big 12 games, like 21 to 17, like fine. That's, that's what they'll do. It's what some teams do. Fair enough. Is yeah. It fun. No, but we'll watch it. <laughs> of course we will. Uh, we will always watch it. And we'll also be watching Fresno state games unless um, Mikey Keen transfers elsewhere. Then I feel like he's going to end up somewhere else now. An entirely different podcast, but yep. Hey, we want to thank you guys so much for listening to episode one of the Bulldog Bulletin. And episode 120 of the Pegasus podcast. We'll be back next week with episode 121, where I'll try not to give Mikey Keene Offensive Player of the Year uh, with our postseason awards. And until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.